Yes, he is. Yes, he is. We're having church up in here, huh? We ain't church. We're having church. I, I, I just wanted to just start preaching. But I, I, I got to give a couple announcements, though. One is, uh, hey, man, that was, really, that was some good stuff. Let's do it up one more time. Today in the cafeteria, we're going to have an arts. Anyone is interested in participating in the arts? Uh, like we have some poetry, we have some choir coming back in form. We're going to have some a little extra after the service. Don't walk away, because like in the movie theaters, you know you have some extras at the end. We have a little something extra at the end of the service today. So hang tight even after the message. But if you are interested, at 12 o'clock today in the cafeteria, there's going to be a little arts meeting with Larry uh, Bunch. Uh, he's somewhere here. Uh, Larry Bunch, it'll be back there, and there'll be a little refreshments for you and everything. So just want to make sure you know that. Uh, again, this Wednesday was scheduled a singles midweek, but we're not going to do it because Friday is a singles devotional. That way it's not two things back-to-back in the same week. So it's going to be Friday, the singles devotional, which will get you hyped up because next Sunday is the singles worship-led service. So they're going to be singing, they're going to be preaching, doing communion, everything is going to be led. So if you know any single in your life that lives in New York, invite them. Tell them there's a single-led service. This is giving you another reason to invite somebody to come and see what we can do here in the Bronx region of the church. Amen? Again, uh, uh, this Saturday is a Solid Rock at Lehman College. And uh, at the same time as when the teens are... are Teens are uh, having their lesson that all the elders in the congregation are going to be having a parental lesson, uh, just helping and teaching uh, the parents. And so the elders will be on one side, and then the, all the youth leaders and everything will be on the other side, teaching both at the same time. So uh, show up at 6 o'clock, things will get started, get rolling. Uh, but just want to remind you that it's this Saturday, upcoming Saturday. And uh, next week is a campus retreat, correct? For the campus, they're going to be going to a, a retreat. I guess uh, Corey and my daughter are happy. I don't know if everybody else is happy or even going, but uh, there will be a campus retreat. I'm happy that she's going. Um, be a campus retreat. So, Amen. Have you seen Black Panther? But this is the last Sunday in February. And uh, we know this is Black History Month. Multiple reasons. One, my birthday was this month, but this is Black History Month. And so as you see, as we close out, we want to make sure we are still in the spirit of understanding. It's not just about simply black people. It's just about minorities in general. So it's not a specific situation. But needless to say, we all know Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech that he gave at the Washington Memorial. One of the most famous speeches of all time. His I Have a Dream speech. Incredible. And if you remember, it builds up to the end where he says, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty for free at last. Dr. King spoke on behalf of a group of people who were experiencing freedom that was entitled to them. In other words, the Civil Rights Movement was about giving new rights to people of color in the country. Now, by law, they already had this freedom. But people did not want them to have that freedom because they felt threatened by that freedom. Now, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul is just as determined as Martin Luther King was. 
Because he saw his people, he saw his Christians, his brothers and sisters, who were free in Christ, not experiencing freedom, because it threatened, it was threatened by other people. And so even though they were free in Christ, they didn't understand the true freedom they had because other people were suppressing them and getting them confused and discombobulated and cloudy in their vision. And so just as Martin Luther King laid the law down, the Apostle Paul lays the law down as well. And this is what I want to talk to us about today. Our freedom in Christ. We've got to understand we have true freedom in Christ. But we've got to really listen to this because sometimes we don't understand we are completely free. Now you think about the people that Jesus healed in the Bible. He healed the demon-possessed man. He cast out all the demons. They went into the pigs, they jumped down, and they died. He didn't leave one or two demons in the man. He set him free completely. The woman that was bleeding for years and years and years, nobody could heal her. When she touched Jesus, she didn't, all of a sudden, everything's clear but a nosebleed. No, no, she was completely cured of her bleeding. You and I, we've got to understand, if Jesus sets you free, you are completely free. Not partially free, but completely free. Look in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. Galatians 5, verse 1. Paul has some pretty strong words in regards to our spiritual freedom. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision have any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in that the Lord, in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Paul gives some pretty strong words here. And so I want to talk to you about three revelations, three insights we can get from Paul's words here. Because when Christ calls a person, he calls us to be free. Jesus didn't take us out of the depths of darkness to set us up in a church to bond us again to some spiritual ritual, spiritual tradition, and enslave us in spirituality. He sets us free from everything. 
Your conversion is an act of emancipation. It sets you free. Paul says again in verse 1, For it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So what exactly have we been set free to enjoy? I mean, if you're set free, there's got to be something that's, that's out there. Well, Paul describes two kinds of freedom here in the book of Galatians. Look at chapter 1, Galatians 1, verse 3. Galatians 1, verse 3. It says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this, from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The first thing Paul says we're set free from is this present evil age. You've got to understand that. We are set. Well, what does he mean by that? He says we're not in bondage anymore to this, to this world, to this evil age. We don't have to be enslaved to our sinful nature. We don't have to be chained down. We don't have to be bogged down by the sin that the world enjoys. Because of Jesus, we are now set free from having a hop from one relationship to another, trying to forgive our body sexually just to make somebody happy. Because of Jesus, we're set free from spousal abuse. You don't have to go home and get beat by your husband or your wife. Because of Jesus, we're set free from child abuse. We're set free from drug abuse. We're set free from all the things that the world enslaves people in. We don't have to live that way anymore. We don't have to think that that is what freedom is. Let me have some marijuana. Let me have some LSD. Let me have some drugs. These aren't the things that set you free. These are the things that trap you. And Jesus says, when you come to me, I call you to repent. That means you get rid of all those things that have trapped you into the world. You throw away all your pornography videos, all your pornography magazines. You put a block on your websites that lead you to those things. You make a decision, I'm not going to flirt like I used to flirt. You need to be set free from the things of the world that trap you. And you've got to understand, that is what true freedom is. We no longer have to live in that lifestyle. We now can be different. The second thing he calls, sets us free from, in chapter 3, verse 13, Galatians 3, 13. He says, Christ redeemed us, that sets us free. From the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. You know, it says we're set free from the curse of the law. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would still have to be sacrificing doves and pigeons and all these other kind of things. The law says you have to do this. You talk about legalistic. We will be walking around worried, what am I doing today? How are people looking at me? Can I help my neighbor? They got a flat tire. Oh, this is the wrong day of the week. I can't help you. We will be so caught up in being legalistic. Jesus says, you know what? I came to set you free from that mindset. That's ridiculous. How can you say it's not good to help somebody because of what day it is? He says, you need to be set free from the curse of the law. That wasn't a blessing. That was a curse for those people. To have to have those restrictions in your life day after day after day. Look at John chapter 8. John 8, 34. John 8, 34 says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, 
you will be free indeed. He says, listen, don't let somebody tell you you're not really free. Because if Jesus says you're free, you are free indeed. Don't let somebody fool you. Don't fool yourself. Don't let Satan fool you. If Jesus says you're free, quit questioning, does God love me? Is God with me? Is God helping me? Why is this happening in my life? Whoa, whoa, slow down. You are set free. Jesus says you are free indeed. This is one of the reasons why we need to share our faith. See, we start talking about that. People think evangelism and start freaking out. Listen to me here. People in the world, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, they are trapped in the world of sin. This isn't about evangelism. This is about setting them free from that lifestyle they're living in. You ask yourself, why are my neighbors so angry? Why are they cussing all the time? Why are they fighting all the time? Because they're trapped in sin. They need somebody to help set them free. How dare us not? How dare us not open up the door to freedom and just keep it to ourselves because we're insecure? You know, Abraham Lincoln had a choice. He didn't have to write the emancipation. He didn't have to sign that. Imagine if he chose not to do anything about it. Peter had the keys to the kingdom. Imagine if he chose not to use the keys. Here we are with the keys to freedom. A whole new life. A thing that can change people's lives. You know, people that are abusing their spouses, their kids. You have the key to stopping that by helping them become a disciple of Jesus. And if you choose not to say anything because you don't feel good and you're tired and this is the wrong day of the week to share your faith, you're under a curse. That's why I said I came to set you free from that curse. You need to understand we need to set people free. We cannot say we're a disciple of Jesus and not have the heart to share to set people free. They are in misery. They are discouraged. They are hurting. We are here to set people free. Amen? This is a spiritual war. But so many times we get caught up in our own little world. How is this affecting me? You know what? I got so much going on in my life, I just, I just don't have time to, to talk to somebody else about their life. My challenge to you is to get into the spiritual fight. You're not in the spiritual fight. You're in the worldly fight. And you're going to bring the world into God's kingdom. You need to get into the spiritual fight. You need to be a freedom fighter. Paul was a freedom fighter. Martin Luther King is a freedom fighter. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you are a freedom fighter. So the first revelation we need to understand, the first insight is that we are set free in Jesus. And because of that, we've got to help other people get out of bondage. Now the second thing we need to understand, insight, is that threats to our spiritual freedom are cancerous. Threats to our spiritual freedom are cancer. Listen to this saying here. Listen to this quote. I mean, a dog barks when his master is attacked. I will be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet remains silent. A person's pet, dog, cat, even a bird, if they see their master being attacked, they're going to go after that person because they love him. They're loyal to him. They're devoted to him. How can we say we're a disciple that Jesus is Lord But yet, we see people attacking his word, and we don't say nothing. We just sit there. You walk into somebody's house, their dog is going to give you a look, first of all. And that's to kind of warn you. But if you keep coming at it, it may give you a little growl. In other words, back it up. If you still keep coming, that's when the the teeth come out, they start barking. You say, well, that's an animal. But he says the word of God is useful for correcting, training, rebuking. It'll correct you. It'll give you a look. 
to help you straighten up. If you don't listen, it will rebuke you. Why? So it can train you. And you know what? If you go to that same house, every time that dog sees you, he's going to let you know. Give it a couple of times, you're going to be trained by that dog. And you're going to know, I can't mess with that dog, Master. At some point, people need to say the same thing about us. I can't mess with that person, Master, and Lord, and Savior. I can't act or say around that person what I would around everybody else. Because I know they're going to get offended by it. They're not going to like it. They're going to ask me to watch what I say. They're going to ask me to talk differently, act differently. You've got to ask yourself, do you remain silent when your master and Lord is attacked? Or do you make a statement? There are those that are threatened by our freedom in Christ because our lifestyle makes them feel guilty. And so their thought is, I don't want to feel guilty, so let me pull them into my lifestyle so that we both can be the same. In other words, let me yoke together with them. Look back in Galatians 5, verse 7. Galatians 5, verse 7, it says, You are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who called you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Paul says, listen, that kind of so-called friend does not come from the one that called you God. That's not your true spiritual friend. That's a worldly friend trying to suck you back into the world. And Paul uses this illustration of yeast working through a batch of dough. And he shares that if, if you're making bread, you put a little yeast in it, and it rises and fills the whole batch of dough. And many times we just read that and say, oh, yeah, that's in the Bible. We keep going. Because we don't make bread like that, so we don't understand it or think about it. We just run down the shop right and get some bread and come on back home. So the concept of, of this working through, we can't really understand so I think if it was today, Paul would say, you know what? A little bit of cancer. All it needs is a little bit because that's going to spread. And he says that's what sin is. It's a little bit of cancer. And if you don't deal with it, it's going to spread and contaminate the whole body. You know, even those within the body of Christ can be cancerous. They can spread unrighteousness. It only takes one person to make a whole group get infected. You say, well, they're not, you know... Slandering God? Well, let me ask you this. Is it selfishness that you're seeing? Or laziness that you're seeing? Or complacency that you're seeing? And if they're acting like this, and then everybody else, well, that's how so-and-so acts. And, you know, and people are going to look for the easiest way out possible. Well, that's what they're doing, so then I'm like that. So then all of a sudden the whole group becomes lazy, complacent. And self, because that one person was started it, and nobody barked at it. Nobody said a word. That's who they are. We'll let them be like that. Not even thinking, how is this going to affect everybody else? you got to understand, we need to become freedom fighters for Christ. Think of what it says in verse 10, Galatians 5, verse 10. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever it may be. And that's some pretty serious stuff. Paul says, that lazy person in your group, they're going to pay the penalty. That selfish person in your group, they're going to pay the penalty. That impure, unrighteous person in your group, they're going to pay the penalty. You say, well, that, that, that's kind of mean, huh? No, that ain't mean, but look at what Paul says in verse 12. He says, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Paul says, I ain't playing around. You think this is some kind of joke? 
He says, don't play, just go the whole way then. See, he doesn't play around with this at all. And I'm sure as he was preaching this in the synagogue, and there was hundreds and thousands of people, those that were being righteous looked at him and said, Pernikio! Those that weren't being righteous thought, well, he's kind of mean. How dare he say a word like that? And then those that had no clue just sat there with no conviction at all. Kind of like this out of term today. People that know what I'm saying is right, they amen it. Yes, do it. Those that are in sin, they're sitting there, why would he say that? What is he talking about? That's a difference. And then there's those that are just living in a whole other realm. Uh, what's going on? You guys just say, where are you? Do you have enough conviction to say amen, preach it, or are you just in so much sin, it ain't even affecting you? See, that's that cancer I'm talking about. You ever notice? If one person start amening, two people around them will start amening. When one person is quiet, everybody around them is quiet. See how that cancer works? Everybody in that little realm just start being quiet because they don't want to be the one talking about nothing. So you can have one half of the church, ah, and you can have another half just sitting there looking. Bottom line, Paul's words were blunt and to the point. I would not be a preacher of God's word if I wasn't blunt and to the point. Doesn't mean you're not loving, but it means you're blunt and to the point. Then the third revelation or insight we need to see about our freedom in Christ is this. Christ's freedom is not passive, but active. Christ's freedom is not passive, but active. See, you can't put a yoke on an ox unless it's passive. An ox with his horns and stuff, if he doesn't want you to put that yoke on there, you're getting messed up coming out of with a yoke. You can't lead a Christian astray unless that Christian is passive in their faith. So you get an active Christian, and you get somebody in sin coming around talking about, yeah, let's do this, man, don't worry about it. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's an active Christian. And then you get some that aren't active, kind of just lukewarm. They'll be like, well, let me think about it. I, I, I'll get back to you. I'll call you. Those are ones Jesus is spitting out of his mouth because they're lukewarm. He says, I'm rather you cold or hot. Do not be lukewarm. You got to ask yourself, are you lukewarm in your faith? Back in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. It says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Now, Paul uses a lot of metaphors in his epistles. And it's obvious because Paul used a lot of running examples. I know a lot about running, but I don't like to run. I did enough running playing ball, and I'm like, if it's not a bear or a dog, I'm not running anymore. Other than that, we just go at it. But I am not running. Even when I go to the gym, I'm on the bike. I ain't even on the treadmill. It's too close. Too close. But Paul says, God puts you in a lane marked grace. And he says, I want you on this lane of grace, and you keep walking in your journey with Christ. And as you're doing that, all of a sudden, somebody comes in and cuts in your lane of grace. And that's why he says, you, you, what, what's going on? You're running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? You know, in running, it's illegal to cut into somebody else's lane like that. He says, why are you letting people cut in on your lane of grace? Now you're not running a race you once ran. You used to be happy. You used to come to church early. When it started at 10, you came at 10.45, not 10.15. I'm sorry, let me say that again. The race you began, you got there early for the starter's gun at 9.45 instead of 10.15. 
You say, but I still like that race. No, no, no. Let me ask you something here. Because people can cut in your lane in different ways. Even in the congregation. You can look around and say, you know what? Uh, that person's not as committed as I am. And that really frustrates me. And so I'm just so frustrated right now that I just don't feel like I can give as much as I want to give. Why are you letting somebody else's situation cut in in your race? If Jesus died for you and he set you on your individual lane, you run in your lane. If they're not in their lane, they're going to crash and burn on their own. Now, we need to be our brother's keeper. You need to bark at them, get them back in line. But if they don't listen, that can't bring you down. You need to keep moving on. Don't wait for them to catch up. They don't do that in the Olympics. If you're running and you get back there, you stay back there. They keep running in their race. And that's the mindset. So many times we're so passive and all the things that have happened in my life and in the church, I just got to take care of everybody. Are you crazy? You got to stay in your lane and do what you need to do and don't let people get out of you. We say, well, their example is just not good. You know, we did a marriage retreat last weekend. It's like, well, their, their marriage is just not doing so well. Okay, that has absolutely zero to do with your marriage. Just because they fighting at home don't mean we got to fight at home. That's on them. But too many times, this is what we do. That's how I was raised. That's how I was brought up. You don't understand my past. You don't understand what's going on right now, all the drama in my life and family. No, my response is you don't know freedom. All that, I'm not saying it's nothing and you just need to get over it. No, 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 no. you got to work through some things. But are you working through it as a free person or as a person trapped in that slavery? So let's talk about what it takes, three simple things of what it takes to get back in the race. Maybe you've not been in the race. Maybe you've been in it, but you didn't even know what race you're in. Everybody running a 5K, you're running a 100-meter dash. And now you're all tired and winded, and everybody's still going on. So what does it take to get back into the race? Again, the first thing is this. You don't run back to the life of... Don't go back. I can't go back. I won't go back. You cannot go back to that life of slavery. Again, Galatians 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. What is he talking about? He's talking about the life you lived of sin before. Don't go back to that. You say, well, I'm not going back to that. I'm not getting drunk anymore. I'm not smoking all that stuff no more. I'm not so angry like I used to be. You may not be all the way there, but are you slowly creeping back? See, it's not just going to boom, happen. It's going to slowly creep back so you don't even realize it's happening. This is what he said. Are you watching yourself to make sure you are not slowly creeping back into the world? The things you preached about the first week you got baptized, don't be immoral, don't be flirting around, don't be doing all these things. You were preaching that, telling people you're going to hell if you do that. And now what path are we on? See, you can't go back and do the things you once did if you are set free. The second thing to help us stay in the race is we need to learn to trust God. We've got to trust God. One reason people leave their lame Mark's grace is because we as humans distrust anything we can't control. If you can't have some control in the situation, we don't really trust. That's not tough. Let me give you an illustration. A number of years ago, a cake mix company came up with what they thought was the perfect cake mix. 
All the ingredients were in one box. All you had to do was pour the cake mix into a bowl and add water, and you're ready. They anticipated that this new mix would sell like crazy because it was so easy to mix. But guess what? It totally flopped. It flopped because people did not trust it because they didn't get to add anything to it. So the company took everything back off the shelves and changed it. They changed it to the point where you pour the mix into the bowl and you add water and one egg. It sold like crazy because they felt like, oh, I can put an egg in here? Now this is great. Think about it. Even now, when you buy stuff, you got to add one egg or two eggs and water. And now it's selling. But it's a matter of do I trust this? I don't trust it unless I can add something to it. Then I trust it. You know, there are some things you just can't add to. If you're married, you can't be more married. If you're pregnant, you can't be more pregnant. If you're set free in Christ, you can't be more free. you got to understand, there are some things you can't add to. There's a man who was speeding down the street doing 50 and 35. Police stopped him. He quickly put on his seatbelt. He was nervous, trying to get his seatbelt on. The officer said, I can, can I see your license? You realize you're doing 15 and 35. He said, yeah, but I'm wearing my seatbelt. He said, I appreciate that, but you're doing 15 and 35. That's dangerous. Yeah, but I'm wearing my seatbelt. Can you give me a little forgiveness for that? I notice you're wearing your seatbelt, Mr. Reyes, but do you always run your seatbelt up to your steering wheel like that? He was so nervous, he tried to put it up in there. He's like, well, because I'm doing one thing right, can't you give me some grace for messing up and going too fast? See, we got to understand, no amount of obedience can pay for one act of disobedience. It's important for us to understand we have got to learn to trust God. Again, Galatians 5, look at verse 4. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. In the New Century Version, it says it like this. If you try to make right, to be made right with God through your efforts, your life with Christ is over. You have left God's grace. Righteousness is not something that we got to work for. Look in verse 5. Again, chapter 5, verse 5. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has had has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You can't work to be righteous. You know what? We need to wait upon God. And as we're waiting, we need to express ourselves through love. He makes it clear. And the third thing we need to do in order to stay in the race is we need to remember the cross. We've got to remember Jesus on the cross. This is the main thing in the studies that we do with people. It is the cross. People think it's discipleship or the, the sin study. It's the cross. That is the main thing. The second most influential book for the abolition movement was Uncle Tom's Cabin for Abolition movement. First was Uncle Tom's Cabin. The second was the biography of Frederick Douglass. In the book, Douglass tells about the day he became free. He was a 16-year-old slave, and his master sent him for one year to a man named Edward Covey. Basically, Covey's job was to break young black men and turn them into slaves. Covey boasted, you give me that boy for one year, and I'll make him a slave for you. Douglass had been with Covey for about six months. And it was on a hot day. He was working for him in the wheat field, and he described having something similar to heat stroke, and he collapsed. 
Cubby walked up and said, what are you doing, boy? Douglas couldn't even speak, so Cubby kicked him in the ribs. Then he kicked him again, and then he looked, and he took an oak slat and beat him over the head until his whole body was covered with blood. That night, Douglas got to his feet, and he wandered off to his old master. His master sent him back to Covey again. Covey left him alone for about two days, and then on the third day, while Douglas was up in a loft of a barn, Covey caught him and tried to tie him to a post to beat him again. This 16-year-old boy said that at that time, something came over him, and he decided that day he was not going to let his man hit him again. He grabbed Covey by the neck, and he started to choke him, and they began to fight, and they rolled all over the barn. And you got to realize that at that moment in time, for a black man to touch a white man meant death. They fought for two hours, and finally Covey realized he couldn't whip this boy. Probably in his pride, he was too embarrassed to say it, but he realized it. After that, Covey would walk up to Douglas every now and then and say, Now, you don't want me to get after you now, do you, boy? Douglas would smile and think, You don't want me to get after you, do you, Mr. Covey? For the next six months, Covey never touched Douglas Douglas again. Douglas said that that was the day he became free. It wasn't the day he stopped being a slave. It was the day he stood up and said, you're not putting that yoke on me again. You know, the next time somebody tries to get you to go back to your old life of slavery, you got to ask yourself, what am I going to do? What you need to do is to stand in freedom in Christ. Take your stand at the cross. And make a decision, I'm not going to let anybody do this to me again. Jesus died so we can all be free. Whether you're black, white, Latino, Cuban, Haitian, Asian, it doesn't matter. Jesus died so you can be set free. Do not let Satan bind you up again. Do not let Satan get you under his yoke. Do not be yoked together with the world. You need to make a decision that because of what Jesus did for me, I can also now say, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. And to God be the glory, amen.